Welcome to Chicagoland Parenting Stories. I am your host, Lisa Zimmerman. Let's get started with today's parenting story. Welcome to the next episode of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. Today, I have Meredith Waymeyer. Meredith is owner of Self Care PLLC. She is an in-home occupational therapist for pregnant and postpartum women. She serves the city of Chicago, Chicago and the collar suburbs near the north side of the city. This is episode 13, and we are recording on July 18th, 2023. Welcome, Meredith. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. Can you go ahead and repeat your name and then the uh, names, if you would like, in the age of your children? Yes. So uh, Meredith Waymeyer, occupational therapist. My son, Sage, is uh, a little over two and a half. He will be three in October. Okay, great. Um, And if you had to describe your parenting style, what would it be? So I feel like everybody shoots for that authoritative style, right? Like that's the formal style of parenting that I, of course, strive for. Um, but outside of that, the definition, you know, of, of authoritative parenting, I would say like my style above anything else is emotionally responsive. Like my my child's emotional needs and development is kind of like my, my biggest theme thus far during parenting. Um, I try to be accessible and available. Um, I'm quite protective. I have a very protective style of parenting. And um, I also go with the flow, meaning not at all that I'm like this super chill, relaxed person, but more um, I kind of go with the flow and don't have any expectations about what my son should or shouldn't be doing or how things should go. And feel like um, that's something I'm really trying to implement is just uh, watching him and meeting him where he's at developmentally and behaviorally and figuring out who he is and what he needs. Well, and with three-year-olds, there's a whole lot of emotion. So there's a lot to sift through these days, I'm sure. <laughs> lots of lots of intense feelings. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom this morning. It was a very big deal. <laughs> I love the memes I see where it's like, never did I know that if I cut somebody's grilled cheese wrong, you know, I would be the worst person in the world or whatever. Yeah, I I don't need to potty. He does. That's that's where we're at right now. With the it's 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 the potty's a whole issue. Oh, but your body's your body. <laughs> if you don't get out, you'll blow up. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're working through. <laughs> Without disclosing your age, which generation are you a part of? I'm a millennial. Okay. And as a millennial, how would you describe that you were parented? So my parents were both boomers. Um, with a a bit of an age gap between them, but they were both boomers and they both came from, I would say, rougher backgrounds. So that's my disclaimer before saying how I was parented. Um, My dad, you know, looking at the parenting styles, firmly fell in the uninvolved camp, um, where my mom was kind of an interesting blend of all of the other ones. She was very involved. I say that she came at us with full maternal velocity. Um, But I would say in order, I would say she's like the... uh, the permissive authoritarian and with a dash of authoritative mixed in there. Um, and I think she, she was a parent that worked very hard, um, and tried to prioritize having fun and enjoying our time together, um, and creating these magical experiences that she didn't get to have when she was younger. You feel like she's similar to that now as a grandparent too? thousand percent. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that she's, I think that, um, I, I think that she, she has a lot of emphasis on everything going 
perfectly. And it's something that she and I actually talk about and, and she's working on. Um, and I think that while she's like profoundly present and emotionally available, it's um, from the state of like relieving the negative emotion immediately so that we can go on enjoying life um, versus kind of working through it. So I think that that's been a, a growth area for her as well. Hmm. Yeah, you never stop learning as a parent, even as a grandparent. Uh, can you describe the work that you do for those that may not understand how you help new families? Yes. So I am a perinatal occupational therapist, and a lot of people don't really even know what occupational therapists are. So um, OTs are healthcare professionals, um, and we have training to address physical, um, emotional, and psychosocial barriers that um, impact function and life participation. So simply put, we help people do the things in daily life that they both want and need to do. Um, we help people recover physically and psychologically, learn or relearn new skills, um, and rebuild their lives around their new life circumstances. Um, and when you become a mother, you know, all of this applies. You know, you're you're learning brand new childcare skills while simultaneously relearning to take care of yourself uh, with a completely new set of roles and daily routines. Um, so as a perinatal OT, I work with women in their home environments, um, like you said, that are postpartum or are, are having difficult pregnancies. And we address all areas of the woman's life and health um, that are important to her, um, including personal care, sleep and rest, emotional health, mobility, body mechanics, ergonomics, pain management, whether it's back pain, hip pain, neck pain, pelvic floor pain, wrist pain, C-section care, infant care, health education for mom and for baby, kind of knowing who you need on your team because it's, you know, sometimes when you're postpartum, you don't know what you need. You just know that you need help. So really helping them identify resources, um, returning to other activities like exercise and movement, returning to sex and intimacy, returning to work, household tasks, time management, um, you know, all of the tasks that it, that are, are being a mother, everything you do is an occupation. Um, and of course, setting up social supports, like both personally and professionally. So really like a holistic model of care to address this you know, new life that you're in. I was just sitting here shaking my head going, my goodness, you're right. We do juggle an awful lot as parents. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you do is an occupation and it's all new. You know, you, you've lived your life thus far and, and you've done things one way and now it's just, everything changes. And you know, the way that you used to take care of yourself doesn't apply. You're in a new body, you're in a new life, you're in a, a new world. Yes, that's for sure. My son's at sleepaway camp this week. And so my husband and I are on our own and it is so nice just to like bend the constructs of time, not have everything be so scheduled, be a little selfish. I feel like I'm even like sleeping deeper because like he's just not even in the house, which is absolutely amazing to me. I don't even know what'll happen when he goes to college. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it makes a big difference. What is your favorite thing about the work you do? So my favorite thing is actually, this is an emerging area of practice for OT. So we're kind of creating something new. Um, this is becoming standard of care in other countries, but it's it's kind of new um, in the United States and um, more occupational therapists are moving into this area of practice. So I'm really excited to be on the front lines kind of helping to create um, this practice area because I think it's one where OTs can be such a valuable support to all of the other professionals that are that are um, helping women in this phase of life. And I just love being able to go into the home. You know, with with my job as an OT, if I see someone in a clinic and I see someone in the home, there's so much more that I can do in real life contextual, you know, situations to help solve problems um, and make the demands of mothering that are difficult a little bit easier. 
What is the biggest challenge with the work you do? So again, because it's an emerging area of practice, um, I am having to do a lot of education, a lot of networking, a lot of, you know, just trying to get the word out there because most people don't know what OT is um, or have a limited view of it. Um, and no one has heard of a perinatal OT. So the most challenging part so far has been getting over that hump of telling people who I am and how I can support um, either the person directly or the clients that they're seeing um, as another healthcare professional. Which providers do you feel like need the most education from you that are adjacent to what you do in terms of having referral sources or being able to meet the needs of their patients or clients? I think that the people that see women firsthand front lines are the ones that that I think would be the most beneficial because they're the ones that are are seeing that woman when she's in a difficult life space. I mean, it's it's not possible for the woman to know what she needs, you know, even with some of the more known you know, care professionals. So I've been really trying to talk to um, OBs and midwives, pelvic floor PTs, lactation consultants, doulas. I've been hanging out with a lot of mental health professionals um, in the Western suburbs, uh, which I do also go to. Um, I will also go to the Western suburbs. Um, and I've been hanging out with a lot of people like that because these are the these are the professionals that are seeing women when they are feeling disorganized. And um, my ideal, you know, I'm I'm really trying to 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 network with the doctors because if the doctor puts in an automatic referral, like for example, if you need pelvic floor therapy, then I can get that information and reach out to the person and they can decide if they need services versus like, you know, having to like discover me on your own and learn about what you need. You know, I, I think that that if I can, it, you know, what I'm trying to do is get the people that are seeing women, you know, freshly postpartum to know who I am so that they could say, oh, you, it would really be beneficial if you would work with someone like this. That's a great way to strategize. Did you always want to be a parent? So I, I feel like I have a kind of conflicting answer for that one. Um, is it better? Um, I always knew that I wanted like the experience of being a mother, but like logistically didn't know if I was going to go through with it or like continue my wanderlust traveling around the world as a travel therapist and, you know, odd gypsy existence, um, or if I was actually going to, to, to go through with it. Um, and so at 30, I always would say at 30, I'll decide I'll, I've got till I'm 30 and on my 30th birthday, I was like, we're doing this, you know? Um, so I would say, always yes a little bit, but wasn't ever sure if I was actually going to pull the trigger until I turned 30. So you were a travel therapist? I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah, I traveled for two and a half years. Um, my husband and I actually traveled together. And so I um, have worked in seven states and I would like move every three months and I got to do, you know, see all of this. Oh, like a traveling all nurse. These new, like, like a traveling nurse, but a traveling oh. therapist. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Wow. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, at what age of your child do you think that you really start parenting? I think that you start parenting, you know, from day one, but it doesn't feel like parenting. It feels just like survival and infant care. Um, but I remember, I think that the shift happens for me when I felt like I really was like, oh, I'm going to have to decide 
you know, I need to understand what's going on and decide how I want to respond to this was when my son started having like early tantrums at 14 months. And I was like, I, I've got to, I've got to figure out what's going on here. And I've got to figure out how to respond versus just the natural kind of like inclination to infant care when you are responding to the basic needs. Um, so I would say around the time we started having tantrums was around the time I was like, I've got to make some decisions <laughs> about how to respond. Yeah, you definitely need to be a little bit more intentional at that point, not only of, you know, how you're going to respond, but also the way that you want to model behavior, because that's when you start realizing how important your modeling is for them. Yes, 100%. What is your most embarrassing parenting moment? So I have a really good one. And I've actually never told a soul this. And I was <laughs> so trying you're telling to a podcast. I've, I am. I told my husband this. I was like, I've never told you this. Um but I'm, I'm a storyteller, so I will tell the story because um, I can't think of another one. You know, I, I I was trying to say, oh, maybe one time when I've carted my son out in a football hole. But I'm like, you know, I'm not embarrassed about that. That was like a, it had to happen. And I don't really get embarrassed easily. So this was pandemic times. I am a pandemic mom through and through. Um, you I are. got I got pregnant and the next day I went to work literally day number two of finding out I was pregnant um, and found out about COVID. So I am like wow. buckled up for the whole ride, which which you can imagine created some, <laughs> some isolation. So it was pandemic times. My son what, had to have been over a year old because he was in his little blue plastic car, you know, paint you a picture. We're walking down the street. He's not sleeping. He's got a lip and tongue tie and torticollis and the whole shebang, and I'm not sleeping still. And I'm walking around the neighborhood at like Wednesday at 12. He's not vaccinated. I don't have my mask with me. And we pass a Starbucks. And I was like, I just want a coffee. You know, like I'm not, I'm still not going into stores at this point. Like I'm fully reintegrated into normal life now. But at this point, 2021, I was still not reintegrated into the world. And I was like, I just want coffee. So I walked around and thought, oh, they'll probably have a little walk-up window. And they didn't. And I look around, the parking lot's empty. And for what reason I can't fathom, I decide, let's try the drive through. So I've got my son in his plastic blue car and I go up to the window <laughs> and she was like, ma'am, we can't serve you if you're not in a car. Um, you're like, my son's in a car. Giant... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you see him? But <laughs> she was like, especially if there's a child, like she tacked it on, like, do a little bit of shaming, especially if there's a child with you. And I was like, no, that checks out. She's like, we just don't want children where there are cars. And I was like, that that makes total sense. I, I agree with you. Um, my bad, you know, and just kind of turned around and was like, oh, my God. I, I mean, that makes sense. To be clear, the parking lot was empty. My son was in no danger. It was, you know, abandoned. But I was like, that was so stupid and so embarrassing. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, this is the kind of stuff that goes viral on, which I've actually never logged on to TikTok, believe it or not. TikTok, like I'm going to be a TikTok, you know? And I was like, this is just horribly embarrassing. And I've never told a soul that even my husband, who I told him would have to listen to this podcast to hear this story. <laughs> well, that's a little piece of bribery then. Well, and it's so funny because there's like the rational part of your brain and then the irrational part. And the irrational part is and a cup of coffee would be so amazing right now. And you're just like, and I don't want to drag this kid inside and I'm not ready. Yeah, and so I'm like, he can't this go is inside. the perfect thing. <laughs> and if there's no so cars I'm coming, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, there were, you know, to be clear, going in, I understand that going inside was much less of a risk than if a car would have come through the drive-thru, but on zero sleep and, uh, you know, that I was just like, I just want coffee. And this was like a, a, the way to solve the problem. 
but yeah, it checked out. I was, uh, I was like, thank you for your time. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I can never go back there again. (laughs) So because you were a pandemic parent, what did friendships when you were a brand new mom look like for you? That is something that it, it definitely impacted me, uh, being a pandemic mom, I had actually registered for like the centering group at Northwestern where I was going to be like a midwife, like birthing party. Like I was bring on the community. I'm setting roots in Chicago. I was looking forward to all of that stuff. Um, and I got none of it. Um, I, they did a virtual thing and then I ended up having to leave that for a lot of other reasons. But, um, I, I didn't get to do the mommy and me groups. I didn't get to meet a lot of first time moms. My connections um, fell into two camps. I had my long-term friends that are, um, I'm from Louisiana. I had my friends in Louisiana that were always a, you know, text, phone call, you know, um, 911 emergency alert away. And I had my work friends here, both occupational therapists and physical therapists, which, and, and good friends, which were incredibly helpful. But all of them were second time moms, both my long distance friends and my work friends. Some of them were pandemic moms moms, but they were second time moms. So it was a completely different experience. Um, and I do feel like I miss that cohort of like meeting moms that were first time moms um, originally because we were just so isolated. Yeah. It was a really hard time to provide services for new parents. And I remember just so many of us just shaking our heads being like, this is not okay. This is not an okay way to start parenting. No, the partner needs to be in the room when the baby's born. No, if there is a NICU stay, both parents need to be able to go. And then, you know, we did try to do the online, you know, mommy thing. And it just, I think with time, maybe it started to get a little bit more normal, but it was just so abnormal for such a long time. And I think like they could sense that they weren't getting the full of experience because of us coming from the full experience of what we had been doing. Cause I'd been running mom's groups for years by that point And just being like, I, this is really tricky, you know, and trying to recreate the wheel so that it like made sense, but it was very hard to facilitate what I call mom dating because how do you mom date? You know? So I would even say like, I'm going to leave the session open you guys can sit online for another 30 to you know 30 minutes to an hour. I'll have the sound turn off. You know, I'm going to have the video turned off. You guys just go ahead and talk away because I need you all to meet each other. But I don't know if any of those friendships ever stuck, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was hard. I was kind of like, you know, I knew that there was a couple of people that had the new moms groups and uh, was even encouraged to go to some. And I did the centering group for a while virtually, but then I started having complications in my pregnancy and was like, you know, it was, it became too much um, to do that group. Um, But, you know, the, the postpartum ones, I, I just was so zoomed out, you know, I was so, so online out. And I was like, like you said, I was actually quite bitter about missing out on all of this stuff. So I was like, I don't want this like, you know, version of this that I'm not really, it it was like a further rub in the, you you know, you don't get to have this, you don't get to do this. This is not part of your experience. So I was like, I just can't do this right now. Um, So I, yeah, you just, we spent a lot of time alone in our condo, figuring it out together. But you know, the, the positive side of that, that, that I will say is it, it was a completely different experience in a lot of ways, not conductive to good mental health, but in a lot of ways, so powerful and profound, because I don't think that, I mean, that is a separate experience. Like who gets to spend that much alone time one-to-one with their baby also as a working mom. Um, so we had a lot of time, just the two of us. And if, if it hadn't been the pandemic, that would have been completely different. So I, you know, 
at the time it was very, very difficult, but in a lot of ways now I can see the good and I'm kind of thankful for that experience. Well, and if you wind up having any more children, then you'll have the other experience to compare it to, and then you'll at least be able to rectify some of those things, hopefully. What do you see is the biggest trend in parenting right now? I mean, the biggest trend is that there's trends, there's trends for everything. There's, and there's like two camps for everything, right? Like just the world right now, there's everybody falls into one of two categories for every trend. There's feeding, there's sleeping, there's, you know, feeding, there's independence, there's all of these different thoughts. And I, to be honest, I get uh, I, I, the first year I spent, you know, like every other mom trying to figure out and make sure that I would, was being educated so that I could choose how I wanted to do things and do the right thing, quote unquote. Now I just kind of block out all the trends. So I think the biggest trend is that there's too many trends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. It's very true. And it's interesting because I've gotten so many different um, responses to that, where it's like a blanket parenting idea. It comes down to a hashtag is like, this is the trend or, you know, things that parents are doing as families and stuff like that. So I like to really still ask the question because I feel like it's never quite been the same twice. Yeah. What has your child taught you the most about being a parent? So this is a very good question (laughs) and maybe my shortest answer, but maybe my like most important. Um, I think what he has taught me about being a parent is that in order to parent the way that I want to parent effectively and to do it the way that I want to show up for him and do it, I have to first understand myself. I have to parent myself and I have to heal anything that I have going on in my life to be able to show up for him the way that I want to show up for him. Oh, I love that answer. So it's kind of like working out the bugs before the upgrade, basically. Yeah. That's well, a lot of yeah. work too, because you're still busy parenting. You're still busy parenting, but it's 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 been a very good journey at, you know, a very introspective healing journey for my for my own life. For our final question, what is your biggest parenting advice to share with new parents? Block out the noise. <laughs> um, take the advice that that people give you with a grain of salt, and and know that the most important thing is to spend time with your baby, listen to your baby, understand your child and what they need, um, understand yourself, listen to yourself, and trust your instincts. Um, and if you are having any issues with depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, rage, get help. Even if your child's one, even if they're two, even if they're three, um, get help when you need it. I think that that is the best advice that I've probably heard because it's the hardest one to achieve because it create, you know, you have to admit a lot of things. Then you have to admit that you have to admit they're happening. Then you have to admit that you are powerless over them and then you have to seek out the help. But luckily, I feel like in the last few years, especially, you know, this is one of the blessings of the pandemic. I feel like mental health is on most people's radars and the shame of it all doesn't seem to be quite as um, at the forefront of people's minds. Hopefully it's more of just the logistics of it all. How do I get there? How do I do it? Do I do it virtually? How do I pay for it? Will my insurance cover it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think parenting's a it's a it's a unique opportunity to dive deep into your to your own your own life and your own health and and an opportunity to instead of being triggered, you know, heal yourself. That is great advice. Well, we are out of time. Thank you again for joining us for episode 13 of Chicagoland Parenting Stories. And thank you to our guest, Meredith Waymeyer of Self Care PLLC. Thank you so much, Meredith. Thank you. Thank you for having me.